Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and welcome to Hempaware Radio. This is your host, Tyler Hemp. And on this hemp episode, I'm honored and blessed to have a, a cannabis activist, an educator, and an all out wonderful guy. His name is Patrick Moore. And he's been working diligently to transform not only the way people think about cannabis but also the laws around this miraculous plant. He's a very smart, creative, inspiring, and motivating man that won't stop till he drops kind of attitude. And like I said, it's an honor and a privilege to have him on today's show. He's known for an awesome YouTube show called Hempovations. Check him out. Google him, Patrick Moore. He's um, worked with Jack Herrer. He's done some really amazing educational uh, works and like I said, worked in, in the cannabis laws. He knows all about the history of cannabis and hemp, and um, he's really involved in, in what the future holds and as far as initiatives and, and what actions you can take to help change the world for the better. And so I'm honored and privileged to have him on today's show. Welcome aboard, Patrick. Hemp, 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 hey, it's good to be here. Right on. Well, we uh, just have about... 29 minutes or 28 minutes for today's show and uh, I'm sure it'll go by super quick and we could cover so many different areas of cannabis because it really is an abundant unlimited plant as we all know but today's topic is legalizing cannabis we've really seen uh, you know just some amazing things happen over the last decade or so and uh, you've been involved with Jack Herrer. You've been on the forefront of helping legalize cannabis hemp. And so I want to thank you, first of all, for doing everything that you've done. And I'd love to, first of all, just ask you, how, how did you get into the cannabis and hemp movement? And what inspired you to do what you're doing? I met Jack Herrer in 1990, and that's probably the biggest turning point. I certainly had some interest and a little bit of knowledge, like a lot of people, a tiny little bit of knowledge of what the cannabis plant was about. Then I met this man, Jack Herrer, down on Venice Beach in 1990, and he was down there with his books, and he was working on an initiative, and I I took the challenge. On the back of Jack Herrer's book, it says, if you can find anything in this book that's not true, if the overall premise of the book, that hemp can save the planet, isn't true, He'd give you ten thousand dollars. There's ten grand sitting in the bank account still, waiting for somebody that disproved the premise that hemp can save the planet. And once I kind of got over that, because I was willing to collect that ten grand, prove him wrong, and move on. And after a little while, I realized, wow, this is actually bigger than I thought it was. This is actually planet-saving potential here, and uh, and jumped on board. And uh, I've been working and worked with Jack through the, you know, since then. Uh, he passed away a few years ago, but uh, and he left us his initiative, really the finest pilot initiative ever written to legalize cannabis. And uh, I believe I've read most, if not all of them, in the last 10, 15 years have been uh, proposed in the past. And uh, there's still nothing even vaguely close to the Jack Hare initiative. So we're, we're holding our ground. We're not going to accept anything less than the best here in California. You can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool Californians about weed. We actually know what's going on. It's the biggest cash crop in our state, and we're not going to allow some organizations to come up with incredibly uh, compromised legislation like Colorado and Washington and Alaska. A lot of people are so glad just to get beyond the prohibition. They're so glad just to hear the words, oh, it's legal, 
they, they don't get involved in the details. They don't worry too much about the details. But the details, as we all know, is where the devil's at. And uh, our greatest fear is that we're going to call this legal and enter an even more restrictive era of, of cannabis regulations. Exactly. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a few moments. But why do you feel that it's so essential to change the laws and reform the laws around cannabis? Yeah, and I was part of the movement that legalized Prop 215, and I was very proud of that for a long time. Um, on some level, there are moments where I go back and think if I could go back to 1994, 95, when we were making those decisions, I might have tried to steer Jack and the whole crew away from jumping on board with Prop 215, because we all knew something was going to happen in California first. And the medical, although it was compassionate and it was important and it offered a lot of aid and, uh, and comfort to a lot of people, it didn't give us everything we needed. And we have watched Canada and Germany and countries that went industrial at the time that we went medical, and they've set up billion-dollar industries in processing industrial hemp. And as, uh, as we often think about it, uh, cannabis is body medicine, but hemp is planet medicine. Yes, you can use cannabis extracts and Rick Simpson oil in different ways with the cannabis plant to cure cancer, but you can use the hemp plant to prevent the cancers that are being caused on the planet with petroleum and nuclear radiation and all these other fuel sources and all these other things we're using, we could actually quit using those, start using hemp, and literally prevent a majority of the cancers on the planet. So from the health perspective, we might have even shot ourselves in the foot to some degree by passing medical and, 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 and ignoring industrial for the last 18 years. Right. So... Essentially, it's, it's important and essential to reform these laws. And like you're saying, look at the nitty-gritty, look at the details uh, as to what these laws are allowing or not allowing. And so, so why are some initiatives to legalize cannabis better or different than other initiatives? Absolutely. No, Jack had a little catchphrase he used quite often. He said, if you can't grow cannabis, it's not legal. So this idea that they're going to make cannabis legal in places and yet put hyper-restrictions on who can grow and where and when and how, that's uh, problematic. That's creating what we call a captured market, what economists call a captured market. Um, if we don't all have fair and equal access to cannabis, we're afraid it's not even going to save the planet. Corporations and big money, they don't tend to make radical steps. So they're going to get their hands on cannabis, and they're going to offer us a model of what? Marlboro Greens. We're going to have access to buying B-grade, C-grade cannabis in the major marketplace. And, uh, and you know, most of these initiatives say you can grow six plants. You can grow eight plants as an individual. But if you're a big company, you can grow 10,000 or 20,000 plants. And that just is it's just fundamentally un-American. And for a lot of the cannabis movement, they've kind of steered in that direction. Like, oh, we'll find a happy medium ground. We'll make the police happy. We'll keep the prison guards happy. We'll make sure all the politicians and the fussy, fussy uh, dare folks happy. And, you know, we'll toss a bone to the cannabis movement. They'll be so happy not to be deemed criminals anymore that they'll go along with whatever. And in some states, they did. Colorado and Washington were very glad to adopt measures that still kept them as criminals, but not criminalized as an overall culture. And uh, and the 40% tax rates and some of these things that they've agreed to are unrealistic and shouldn't be put into the marketplace with any commodity, much less one as important as cannabis hemp. 
Right. So tell us about the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative that you've helped write and what the major goals are of the coalition that you're a part of. It's a short, sweet, simple bill, although I can't read it all here online, so I encourage everybody to go to gohemp.org, and that's the cchi2016.org site, but we have a mirror site to it, gohemp.org, and you can go there and read the two-page initiative that Jack Carroll wrote, and uh, it is, it. I mean, besides offering free and equal, uh, fair and equal access to everybody, First and primarily, and if it did nothing more than this, I would put the entire next two years in this campaign anyways, it frees all the pot prisoners. It takes everybody in the state of California who's been arrested and charged with cannabis uh, offenses and allows them to be set free and, as importantly, allows their records to be completely erased, not just expunged, which is a legal term, but erased, meaning they never have to report to a job interview or to a probation officer again that they are once arrested as a narcotics felon for having 10 plants or a couple pounds or whatever they have. So we, uh, as far as we can go, sort of offering a... Uh, reparations to cannabis prisoners. So we, we erase all the records and then from there we make sure that nobody is excluded from the cannabis market by limiting the licensing fees at $1,000. So although there is a, a alcohol beer wine model on some aspects as if uh, if you give a joint to a minor, the first time you do it, you're not going to prison. It'll be like the alcohol model. If you give a beer to a minor, you get a ticket. So there's already something kind of like cannabis in our culture, and so we equate some of the laws that are already standing to it, and then we equate some of the laws involved in cannabis to the herbal supplement market. So if you're going to put it in a jar and put it on the shelf and have a name brand and get it out in the market, uh, there's going to have to be testing. You're going to have to make sure there's no mold in there. You're going to have to make sure there's no bacteria in there and different things that are just standard marketing procedures in America. Other than that, there can be no special regulations. There can be no extra uh, uh, taxes and tariffs added to cannabis. And if for $1,000, anybody in the state of California can take their handful of seeds and their dream and their skills and create a market, create a, you know, create a medicine to create a for the recreational adult market, or to get involved in the hemp industry, that's paradigm shifting. That'll offer us hundreds of thousands and ultimately millions of jobs in the state and raise revenues into the in, well into the trillions. They say the hemp food industry alone could be a trillion dollar a year market for California, and that's not fuel. Fuel is going to be the big game changer, but I believe the hemp food is actually the most important because I believe it's the most important food, human food on the planet. I got anthropologists explaining that the human diet's been 80% hemp seed for 50,000 years, but in the last 100 years, they took it away 100%. And we've been just barely squeaking by, getting sicker and sicker each generation as we've lost our central food source. And so I personally think on the largest shift that's going to happen is when we start incorporating hemp food back into a diet in a fairly major way, we may find dozens, if not hundreds of diseases just disappearing. And then from there, the uh, industrial potentials, we can start building hemp cars, hemp houses, hence we can quit using the nuclear power plants and we can quit cutting down the last of our trees and we can give up the bad habit of petroleum 100%. And I mean in the next 10, 15 years here in California. I mean, if we go gun-ho enough with this, which, you know, I got a feeling in my heart, California is going to go big with cannabis. Um, we can literally change the paradigm for how we live on this planet and show other countries and other states how to do it as well. Amen. That's that's a beautiful vision. I I really appreciate your clarity and and 
an understanding of what is about to happen here because there is a tremendous amount of momentum and we are also like you said we're dealing with two sides of a coin we've got you know this fair and equal access vision and and the majority of the people you know deserve to have access or everybody deserves access to this miraculous plant for food shelter and clothing but then we have other barriers um, that we're dealing with. So what do you have um, to say with regard to, you know, being careful as far as allowing GMO hemp and, and, and you know, regulating hemp and, and, you know, how can we avoid going down that path? Absolutely. No, our, our, our battle cry is read your initiatives. I don't think most people in Colorado and Washington actually read the entire initiative before they passed it or they might not have they might not have supported it. Um there are gonna be a several there are they say there are already four groups running in California with their own initiatives. Uh I've looked at uh several of them and I've seen most of them through the past years. I've seen one or two of them for this year already. And they are twenty, twenty two pages with uh just and, and, and that's just pages and pages and pages of restrictions on you the cannabis user or the cannabis grower, and uh, and if you know if it, it gets mind-boggling, if you can't get through reading an initiative, you definitely shouldn't be voting for it. I mean, it should be clear and simple. And the Jack Air initiatives, although it is detailed, it is easy to understand as uh, as the principles basically should be. Either you can grow it or you can't, and if you can't, why? It's the safest plant in the world. We're not scared of nuclear power plants, but we're still scared of the cannabis plant. That's got to shift. I mean, this, the first casualty of war, and you can tell we've been in a drug war, the first casualty of war is the truth. So the fact that this is the most benign, safe, healing plant on the planet, it feeds and heals our soil. Again, like uh, if nothing came out of the cannabis plant, if we just put it in the ground and grew it and that was it, it would be worth this whole campaign as well just for what it does to our soil alone. It is worth a global cannabis movement. The fact that it gives us 50,000 uses, the fact that out of it comes the most amazing medicine, a, a, a plant that people find spiritually connected with, a plant that gives us the perfect human food, a plant that we can build cars out of and houses out of and, 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 and semiconductors, superconductors. People are building batteries, superconductors out of hemp now that are better than any graphene or graphite superconductors that have ever been designed. So literally the greatest resource we've ever had on the planet, we took a hundred year hiatus from and we have wars and we have disasters, nuclear um, oil, we have environmental disasters, all of which could have been avoided if we had, again, equal access to the cannabis plant. If we can do so that in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, finish your thought. So if we can do that in the 21st century, I believe we can... Uh, you know, again, we, we can hand off a world to our, our our prodigy that we're not embarrassed by. We can hand off a world that we're fairly sure will make it through the next hundred years as we uh, as we evolve as a as a group on this planet. Exactly. So, I want to reiterate and and really um, expand upon this initiative that you're working on and remind our listeners. So, is it the Jack Herrer Initiative? Is that the name of it? Is that the if it gets on the ballot or when you're out collecting signatures, what is the name of the initiative that people should look out for and make sure that they read? Absolutely. No, it's often called the Jack Hare Initiative because he is the author, but it's called the, it's titled the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative. 
So we have hemp in the title. We're certainly the only initiative in, on the West Coast or in the country right now that's really pushing for industrial hemp. And not just allow some universities to do some research with industrial hemp. We're pushing for hemp industries controlled by Californians. This is a multi-trillion dollar industry, and it's either going to be split up a thousand ways or it's going to be split up a million ways. And uh, the big money folks in the state are more than glad, and that means a lot of people even in the cannabis community, people in ASA and normal and people with high times and people who have big investments and think of themselves as leaders in the cannabis industry, they're being offered a table at the billionaire table. They're being told by big industries in the world, hey, you give us California, we'll make sure you're a billionaire, kind of like the Kennedys coming out of uh, Prohibition. They think if they can turn their underground business finesse into above ground business finesse, they're guaranteed, you know, to be billionaires and, uh, you know, maybe have their kids be president someday. I'm sure this has run through the minds of uh, a lot of these people who are, you know, the people running weed maps, the people who actually have made their first big step in this industry in the kind of gray market. They think if they can help big business do the transition and control cannabis, they are offered a special status. And uh, nothing could hurt my heart more than that. I really see the opposite as being the most important, that the average citizen, that the person doesn't already have a million dollars but wants to be able to make a living for their family or make enough fam food or make enough medicine for their family to just grow some cannabis in the backyard. That's the person I'm looking out for. It's back to the, you know, it feels like the Occupy movement again. I'm looking, we're looking out for the 99% of the people in the state ASA, Normal, MPP, DPA, their legislation's looking out for the 1%. They're making sure that they're protected against us. We're trying to make sure we're protected against them. And it really is, uh, again, uh, worth spending some time and doing some research and finding out who's who and what's what in this movement because they all say they want illegal. Everybody decides good catchphrases. Everyone's got beautiful posters and banners. Everyone's got a great idea and a feel of what legalization will look like. But if you scratch below the surface, and if you remember that during alcohol prohibition, the 10 years of alcohol prohibition, it was the 10 years after it ended that more people went to jail. More people went to jail 10 years after alcohol prohibition ended than during the 10 years alcohol prohibition. And we think of it as a war and a mafia and Capone and machine guns and this whole big war that happened, which is similar to what we've been going through. But then it ended and more people went to jail in the next 10 years. And what we're trying to make sure is that we don't do the same mistake with cannabis. Call it legal and yet regulated to a point where more people will go to jail in the next 80 years than went to jail in the last 80 years. That's the trickery of the system. That's why lawyers write laws and, you know, and lawyers pass laws. And uh, in California, we have a ballot initiative, so we can sidestep that whole process, and with people alone, never having talked to anybody in Sacramento, never having to give the governor a call, we can pass laws in the state. And Prop 215 was one of those. We've been doing this every decade for almost 100 years, passing laws that wouldn't normally get through professional politicians. And that's one of the reasons California is California, is we've been able to do that. And uh, as long as we have that potential, we can create reasonable laws. And we don't have to compromise. We don't have to give up half the bank. We don't have to make sure we keep the prisons full so some special business interest in the prison unions can keep their, uh, you know, have their influence in, in Sacramento and in the state. Mm -hmm. So you've already kind of touched upon it, but let's focus a little bit more on the key points and the important sure. points in the initiative that will allow for the most freedom and, and equal access to the cannabis plant. 
Sure, we're looking at taxes then. How about uh, uh, we put a 10% limit on the excise tax? Knowing that there's going to be an excise tax, and there's footage of Jack Hare on YouTube and then the rally screaming that they don't deserve one penny of our taxes, and we all sort of have a gut feeling like it should be tax-free, and yet in all reality, to introduce it into the marketplace, to bring it above ground, we knew there was going to have to be an excise tax, like there is on tobacco or uh, alcohol or fuel or any of these other things. But to leave that unchecked, you have Colorado, where they started out at a 40% tax rate. A lot of counties in California are already talking about a 50% excise tax. Wow. And uh, and that creates, one, a huge burden on the person who's now trying to get into business because the people in the underground, in which there will be a larger, as there is in Colorado right now, a larger black market than there was before because after a 40% tax, your $300 ounce is 550 going out the door, and the guy in the park still has it for 280 so there's going to be a larger black market, more people going to jail, still criminal activity involved and uh, off the radar, and um, and and an unreasonable burden on this market. So uh, we limit the taxes at 10%. We limit the licensing fees at $1,000. We free all the pop prisoners, and we address the and this and a couple of things we've added to the Jack Hare initiative since his passing because he encouraged us to keep current to always be going through it always be trying to improve it so in 2012 when we ran it we actually banned genetically modified cannabis which is being grown in Uruguay right now Monsanto has produced a strain of cannabis cannabis that people are smoking right now in Uruguay with who knows what kind of side effects? Who knows what the long-term effects of, of Monsanto cannabis are going to be? Monsanto dabs, whoa, right? Nothing scares me more. And I did. It's actually happening in Uruguay right now. It makes me very proud that we had caught that in 2012 and added that to the Jack Hare Initiative. We mm-hmm. also put in uh, a regulation concerning the DUI issue because that's becoming a big problem in Washington. Washington passed a ballot initiative. Again, I don't think everyone read very thoroughly because it said 0.5 nanograms in your bloodstream made you a felon behind the wheel. Well, everyone who smokes, anybody who smokes, has 0.5 nanograms of random cannabinoids in your system up to weeks and weeks later. And because it's a ballot initiative and it's written the way it is, even if you can convince the judge that it's been two weeks since you smoked, even though you're still testing positive on this test, he cannot not take away your license for a year and, and deem you a felon. That's a wow. nightmare. So we put in there, they, they, we highly recommend the, the touch your nose, pat your head, test, walk in the line. If you can't do those things, you probably shouldn't be on the wheel no matter what you're doing. If an accident happens or if there's a special circumstance and a test needs to be done, you can test for active cannabinoids. And active cannabinoids stays in your system uh, for almost everybody less than an hour, sometimes an hour and 15 minutes, sometimes an hour and a half if you get very, very, very high. But there's a realistic gauge of impairment from uh, heavy cannabis use. So that's what, you know, so we've done our very best to correct and modify what we see as mistakes in other initiatives, what we find to be uh, problems that arise in other states from this. But the, the, the key to it, and then much of the rest of the initiative is defining all the different aspects and uses of cannabis and all the different ways in which we're protected and, defi- you know, protected. Mm-hmm. And then as the cherry on top, Jack Hare Initiative cites the Ninth and Tenth Amendments to the Federal Constitution, which then allows that to be used in court, and it challenges and repudiates federal law. 
which mm-hmm. we believe will create a challenge at a federal level where they will either sue the state of California and will end up in the Supreme Court very quickly, or uh, or they'll have to accept the challenge and and eliminate federal prohibition of, of, of cannabis. So we're doing this for California. California's been in, you know, it's got a unique cannabis culture here, but we're doing this on behalf of the whole world and really of, of the rest of the United States right now. It's a ballot initiative for the state, but it will immediately challenge the federal law, which will immediately bring a potential of ending federal prohibition completely and using the, 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 the guidelines of the Jack Hare initiative to do so. And we think, again, that intrinsically is important from, uh, from just kind of a libertarian point of view. I mean, to create an unfair marketplace is a deemed, I mean, it's a type of fascism. It's when corporations and business work together to make sure you don't have an equal say in the marketplace. You know, we've deemed that as something worthy of going to war against. We cannot adopt that as a strategy in this country. We cannot allow that to be corporatism. We cannot allow corporations. They already deemed as people. Do we need to deem them as special people? (laughs) Do we need to give them literally an elite status if we're going to consider them people at all? I think they should have to compete in the same marketplace as us. Mm-hmm. I personally know in the state of California, they don't have a chance. You know, and that's what scares them so much. That's why they're trying to make sure that the best California growers can only have six or eight plants at any given time. Because uh, and then and then on top of that, only two ounces. So you got your eight plants, but you can never harvest more than two ounces legally at any given time off those plants. So they create something that's not even real, and then try to pass it off as law. And uh, right. we're we're just not having that here in California. If they pass some, you know, we'll see what happens in the next two years. We really got a good lead on the funding we need for the ballot initiative, getting the signatures that we can't collect on our own on the ballot. And it's a it's a series of concerts called Cannabis in Wonderland. Cannabisinwonderland.org. The website's up and going. Uh, we are doing two or maybe three shows through the through the summer here in California, and that money is going to be dedicated towards the signature gathering that we need to get on the ballot. And then from there, we know the people of California will vote for it. We've polled several times in the last couple of years, and we polled better than these initiatives that are very conservative. We have uh, uh, people who want to legalize cannabis, they read the details of our initiative, and the numbers go up from there, which is fairly rare in, in this type of polling. So there's mm-hmm. been a lot of pressure put on Jack over the last 25 years that he was just a little too liberal for California. And what we're finding out through polling now is, no, we're just too liberal for ASA and normal. We're not too liberal for California. But, you know, 99 mm-hmm. plants don't scare uh, you know people in this state. And we got mm-hmm. a 99 plant, 12 pound limit. And uh, and that allows for people to grow enough plants to juice. And we really believe that that's going to be the largest use in the next 20, 30, 40 years in, uh, worldwide is once there's not this heavy restriction, once there isn't this, uh, you know, this inability to uh, or, or, you know, price inhibitive to be able to juice, plant, you know, a couple, couple glasses of juice a week. Mm-hmm. Then people will start doing that, and we're going to again find that along with the hemp seed, we're going to find that that is human food. That's the missing equation. That's what's been baffling doctors for a hundred years, when they keep saying, "Well, we don't know what causes it. We don't know what's causing these breakdowns in the human nervous system and the immune system." I mean, all sorts of hundreds of diseases right now. We're just trying to get a, a handle on and get a name for. I believe most of them are endocannabinoid deficiencies and the essential fatty acids we need from the seed. We put that exactly. back in place and. We'll watch, we'll watch humanity change. Right on. Well, we just have two minutes left of today's show. It's been really insightful. And I want to kind of end the show with 
<clears throat> letting our listeners know what can they do today, obviously going to your website and uh, gohemp.com, right? Gohemp.org. Gohemp.org or cchi2016.org. Um, there are places to sign up as a volunteer. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, anywhere you find us, reach out to us. Um, let your community know. Start a little community startup group or join one. If there's not one already in your area, start a CCHI meetup group. You can do it through meetups or through our website or through our Facebook. And uh, and get 5 or 10, 20 of your friends together. Put out some ads on Craigslist. Let some people know in your community that you guys are going to try to legalize cannabis in a progressive way and let them know what that means. And then, uh, you know, start holding some fundraisers. We just had a little summit held by a hip-hop crew up in uh, up at Palmdale this weekend, and it was fantastic. They raised some funds and definitely raised awareness and got a lot of people very excited. And then as these concerts come up, we'll all be able to meet up there, um, educate uh, informed, call local radio host. Reach out to the uh, reach out to the media whenever they get a chance. Leave comments underneath articles on the web when you, whenever you can, and say, "Well, that's funny because the Jack Hare Initiative doesn't do that." Or, "What would happen if you let them do that?" Like the Jack Hare Initiative does. We are the voice of the people, and Asa and Norm and these groups can buy people, hire people to do this. But we have people who want to do this. People in California really want this. And so instead of having to raise $20 million to put together a professional team, we're counting on the people of California to speak up for themselves once they realize what the issues are. So there's the, there's the guidelines. Amen. Right on. Well, thank you so much for being on today's show. I would love to have you on a future episode and uh, get deeper into the uses and benefits of cannabis hemp. Patrick, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Check out Hemp Ovations. Check out cchi2016.org. And get the word out. Get signatures. Go to uh, the website. Print out, um, print out the initiative. Read it yourself. Share it with your friends, uh, your family, with uh, politicians. And uh, get it out to radio hosts, like Patrick said. And uh, give us a call if you need any assistance. We love you. Thank you so much. Have a blessed day.